Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Ready or Not on the Barker Media Network. I'm your host, Chris Ferreira, and we got another fun show in store for you today. Today's episode, we're doing things a little different here with what's going on in the world. We want to bring you guys some fond memories or maybe some bad memories, depending on which team you're rooted for. But we're going to do a little revisit series where we go back over the last 20 years and touch on some iconic sports games and series. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode. Happy to have you here. Chris Ferreira here. Today's episode was going to be about baseball because baseball season was supposed to be tipping off and, well, not tipping off, that's basketball. But uh, we were supposed to be, you know, having baseball kick off on opening day. Kick off, that's soccer. What the hell are you doing, Chris? Uh, we were supposed to have our first pitch of the season uh, on this Thursday was opening day. And with coronavirus going on, we've kind of had to put that on hold. So what we're going to do in honor of baseball supposed opening day start is I wanted to go back and revisit an iconic game and series in the world of baseball. So what we're going to do is we're going to go and revisit the 2002 World Series, specifically Game 6 of the 2002 World Series. If you do not remember, that is the World Series that pitted the then Anaheim Angels, now the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, against the San Francisco Giants, an iconic series that left many records set and many, you know, amazing World Series moments. So I wanted to touch on that, and we're going to revisit that for today's episode. So to recap kind of this series, the Anaheim Angels, led by manager Mike Sosha, won 99 games that year and were only the wild card team in the American League. That's crazy. Any other regular year you win 99 games, you're probably going to win your division and probably going to be one of the number one seeds. But that only netted a wild card team, a wild card spot for the Angels. The San Francisco Giants won 95 games, and they also only won a wild card uh, spot. This was the first World Series since the inception of the wild card in 1995 to pit two wild card teams against each other. It was also the fourth time that two California teams faced off against each other in the World Series. Now, we're going to specifically focus on Game 6 of that series today. But I'm going to give you guys a quick recap on the other games leading up to that series. Again, a huge series pitting almost David and Goliath. You had the San Francisco Giants, who had arguably the greatest baseball player in the world in Barry Bonds, against the ragtag small ball team here in Anaheim. Uh, game one of the series, Barry Bonds, Reggie Sanders, and JT Snow each hit home runs and helped propel the Giants to a win. Game two was a high-scoring affair that the Angels ultimately won on a Tim Salmon eighth-inning home run. In Game 3, the Angels routed the Giants, but then lost Game 4 on a tie-breaking eighth-inning single by Giants' David Bell. The Giants brought the Angels all the way to the brink of elimination by winning Game 5 in a blowout, and the sets the stage for Game 6, which we're going to talk about. The Giants were up 3-2. to two. The game was in Anaheim. I'm a 12-year-old boy stressed out of my mind for the first time in my life watching my favorite team play in a championship. I think the reason this series is so important to me and sticks out in my memory banks is because, like I said, I think on another episode, when we're children, the 
events that happen, especially if you're a sports fan, that happen when you are that young become some of the most impactful moments of your childhood, whether it's a team winning a Super Bowl or a great play by a player, you latch on to these memories. And so this 2002 World Series team by the Angels cemented my fandom into baseball. So we're going to talk about game six right now. Again, the Giants led the series three games to two. It's an elimination game at then, you know, Edison International Field, which is now just Angel Stadium. And uh, the game pitted pitchers Kevin Apier versus Russ Ortiz. Who would have thought that a number 27 was going to be having to save the Angels season? Not Mike Trout, not Vladimir Guerrero, Kevin Apier. And these two had actually faced off against each other in game two, which was an annihilation for both pitchers. The Angels ended up winning that game 11-10, to and both pitchers barely stuck around for two innings. Apier had five earned in two innings, and Ortiz seven earned in one and uh, one and two-third innings. So both of them are coming off shellackings in their last performance. And what looks like it's going to be, you know, another offensive slugfest like this series had been, turns into a pitcher's duel for the first four innings. Apier and Ortiz go shot for shot, basically, for the first four innings. Ortiz, for the Giants, is throwing a one-hitter, basically, and Apier's having to scrap and claw his way to, you know, just match him. Ultimately, we get to the fifth inning of this game. It's 0-0. Kevin Apier is facing Sean Dunstan. Sean Dunstan, famously for... This series is also very famous because it was one of the last series that children were allowed in the dugout, right? There was the famous play at the plate in a couple games prior where Dusty Baker's son running out to get the bat, and he almost gets run, ran over at the plate. Well, Sean Dunson's son was also one of the bat boys in there. Um, so this was a, a, you know, a really influential series, too, that eliminated children from being allowed to be in the dugouts with their fathers because we almost had kids getting run over at the plate. But Sean Dunson, with his son in the dugout, facing Kevin Apier, 26 at-bats without a home run, and Sean Dunson hits a two-run shot off of Kevin Apier in the fifth, putting the Giants up 5-0. Immediately after, Apier, trying to bounce back, gives up a double to Kenny Lofton, and Sosha pulls him. I mean, honestly, we thought we thought Apier was only going to be able to go a couple innings anyways. Going four-plus innings without giving up a run was great, and then in the fifth, it kind of started falling apart. But the Angels bring in their savvy 20-year-old phenom, Francisco Rodriguez, known as K-Rod, comes in who had been lights out in the postseason. For anybody that remembers that postseason, Francisco Rodriguez now is a top five all-times in saves in Major League Baseball history. He was an unknown. He'd been in the minor leagues his entire career up to this. They brought him up, and that postseason, he went 5-1 and one with a 1.2 ERA. And he comes in. And he had been lights out. No one could hit that slider of, of Frankie. He comes in. Immediately, Kenny Lofton steals third base off of him. And then immediately, Francisco throws a wild pitch on a slider that Molina can't handle. And Lofton scores. And the game is now 3-0. to 3-0. We go to the sixth. Ortiz, you know, lights out. He's throwing a one-hitter. We are now down 3-0, to zero, the Angels. 
Barry Bonds steps to the plate. Now, if any of you guys remember, Barry Bonds, that stretch between like 2001 to 2004, the most dangerous hitter besides a man named Babe Ruth in probably baseball history. The man was intentionally walked more times than any other player in the world. And his prior two at-bats in this game, he had been walked, intentionally walked. Don't even bother with Barry. Don't even throw to Barry because you know what he's going to do. Well, now that it's 3-0 and he's leading off in the sixth, Francisco decides to challenge him. The first pitch Barry sees, he hits the ball the farthest I've ever seen a ball hit at Angels Stadium. The ball sailed through right field and it landed down the tunnel. It looked like it must have like shot out the stadium and landed on the 5 freeway or the 57 out there past the stadium, over past where the Anaheim uh, Angels halo is. Bonds hits a ball that I've never seen hit that hard. And immediately now the game is 4-0. to zero. And Frankie looks a little, you know, shook up. Like, this has not happened to him this entire postseason. And us as Angels fans, you know, my heart is sinking. I'm a 12-year-old who thinks I'm going to watch my team lose in the championship right here. We now get into the bottom of the sixth inning with a chance to kind of get on the board. Ortiz again throwing a one-hit shutout. Adam Kennedy hits a single. Darren Erstad walks. We have some hope. Oh, my God, we're going to get on the board. And Tim Salmon K's and strikes out. We're going to the seventh. Seventh inning, K-Rod comes back out. I mean, mind you, this is 20-year-old, and he's coming in. He's pitching almost three innings after he's been pitching the entire series. Um, He ends up giving up another run in the seventh to Jeff Kent, and it is five to zero. Five to zero. No team in baseball history had ever overcome that large of a deficit in a World Series game. We now go to the bottom of the seventh inning. Bottom of the seventh inning. Eight outs away from elimination. And then the rally monkey appears. Everyone here in Southern California knows what the rally monkey is. That most other teams, if you're not an Angels fan, you hate that little monkey. At the <laughs> From basically the sixth inning to about the ninth inning, at any given time, a little capuchin monkey will come onto the Jumbotron in random movie scenes or just hanging out in his jersey, and he will just start jumping. And Angel Stadium, or Edison International Field at the time, goes insane, right? The fans have their thunder sticks. That monkey starts jumping, um, and the people go insane. So we're eight outs away, eight outs away in a 5-0 deficit from the Giants winning the World Series. They've already brought the trophy into the locker room. They're setting champagne up. And what happens, right? Gloss and Fulmer both hit singles. The crowd is going crazy, and... Dusty Baker decides to come out, and he pulls Ortiz after six and a third shutout ball. And what does he do? On his way out, he hands Ortiz the ball, the game ball. It ended up being a huge controversy as if he was, like, showing up the Angels. Uh, Baker had come out afterwards and said, you know, I just wanted to give the guy the ball because he had earned it. But the Angels took it as, oh, you must think this game's already over. You're already giving him the game ball. So the Giants bring in their... F. Rod, Felix Rodriguez, he comes into the game, two runners on against, you know, an an angel hero, Scott Spezio, our first baseman. 
Scott has an amazing at bat that goes, I swear, about 10 plus pitches, full count, fouling off everything. And just when we think, you know, he's going to get struck out, there's a ball down low that he hits a moonshot to right field. Looks like it's just going to be a deep warning track pop up. And then Reggie Sanders looks like he's about to catch it. And he runs into the wall and the ball clears the fence. It is five to three Giants. The stadium goes insane. Spezio hits that shot, which now looking back, Spezio had set a then World Series record of 19 RBIs after that home run. Insane. The Angels are now back back alive. It is five to three. Momentum has shifted. We now jump to the eighth inning. Francisco Rodriguez, after a valiant effort, gets pulled for another rookie pitcher, Brendan Donnelly, right? Brendan Donnelly with the goggles, Angels fans remember. Brendan Donnelly comes in and makes quick work of the Giants in the eighth. We are now at the bottom of the eighth. Tim Worrell comes in for the Giants to face the middle of the Angels lineup. We are still now six outs away from the Giants winning a World Series. They are up by two. The first batter of that inning. My favorite Angel player from my childhood, Darren Erstad, who played center field for us at the time and then ended up winning a gold glove at first base later in his career. But he steps up to the plate and hits a shot to right field. A bomb. Home run. First at bat. It is now 5-4 to four Giants. The momentum has completely shifted. Angel Stadium is going insane. These thunder sticks are rocking. Tim Salmon steps up to the plate. He hits a single to center. Um, Kenny Lofton was playing really deep on the play. Uh, they were playing no doubles, and this was probably you know just a routine pop-up that ends up getting down because they're playing so far out. Salmon then gets pinch run by Sean Figgins, another rookie for the Angels at the time. We all know Sean Figgins and the great career he had. He comes in to pinch hit, pinch run for Salmon, and in steps GA Garrett Anderson, who had been slumping for the last couple games, and Garrett Anderson hits a pitching wedge out of the sand, I swear to right. This thing looks like it was about to hit the ground, and he scoops it out and hits something that should have been a routine fly ball. Bonds reads it wrong. That thing drops in, has some crazy English. Bonds tries to want to palm it with his hand. He ends up slipping and falling on the ground. They get a double. Figgins ends up on third. Anderson's on second. We got runners in scoring position. Down one, and Troy Gloss stepping up to the plate with no outs. The Giants now, in full panic mode, turn to their closer, Rob Nen, who, if you remember Rob Nen, he was lights out for them uh, this entire season. And Gloss sees about two pitches, swings at one, and then he gets a fastball, basically belt high right down the middle that he cranks to left center over Bond's head, clears the bases other than him, the Angels take the lead 6-5. to five. We're seeing shots of Gene Autry, of his wife, the monkeys jumping. Fans are going crazy. The Angels have took the lead, stormed back 6-5 to five to take the lead. The biggest deficit overcame in World Series history to that point. And Percival is coming in in the ninth, right? Percy, the Angels' closer, Troy Percival, he comes in and makes quick work. Strikes out the first batter. Gets a pop-up to third from Lofton, and then strikes out Rich Aurelia swinging. Ball game, Angels win 6-5. to five. One of the most exciting, stressful games of my childhood and my life as a sports fan. 
And again, we didn't even win the World Series this game. This game was just to force Game 7, which we easily could have lost. But again, we believed in the power of that rally monkey. Game 7, after this momentum shift, the Angels went on to win 4-1 to against the Giants. Garrett Anderson, who led the majors in doubles that season, hit his first double of the postseason to clear the bases, which would give the game-winning hit, which would be giving him the game-winning hit and putting us up uh, 4-0 at the time. We end up winning 4-1. John Lackey, who was a rookie, became the first rookie pitcher to win Game 7 since 1909, a guy by the name of Babe Adams. John Lackey, who famously won a couple other World Series for the Cardinals, but he was a rookie for us, amazing. And that whole series, especially in Game 7, three rookie pitchers to get the ball to Percival, Lackey, Donnelly, and K-Rod. Uh, and I'll never forget the end when Erstad catches Lofton's pop-up to center field and seeing Troy Percival raise his arms in the air for victory. The Angels win Game 7 and win their first championship in franchise history and cement my fandom for the rest of my life as a kid. I'll never forget being at my grandma's house in Anaheim, locked away in a room. No one else could watch the game with me. I'm a 12-year-old dictating what's going on in the house. I have thunder sticks. I have a rally monkey around my neck. I'm head-to-toe in red angels gear, and I'm screaming and crying and running around the house. Still to this moment, the best sports moment of my life. Um, Some historical elements from that game. That World Series combined for the most home runs in a World Series. 21 home runs between both teams, which stood until 2017 when the Astros and Dodgers broke that record um, in their famous uh, seven-game series. That five-run comeback, like I said, it was the largest comeback in World Series history for an elimination game for the Angels. Scott Spezio, like I mentioned, he tied a record for the most RBIs in a postseason with 19 RBIs that postseason for us. Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, became the youngest player to win a World Series game at the age of 20. Wow. And the giant Sunshe Shingo became the first Japanese player to appear in a World Series. And then some historical other elements of the game. David Eckstein's spikes were sent to the Hall of Fame. He batted 310 in the World Series, and he would go on also to win, I believe himself, a World Series MVP for the St. Louis Cardinals later in his career. Troy Gloss was named MVP of that series, batting 385 with three home runs and eight RBIs, and the biggest hit of the series with that, that bases-clearing double in the eighth. He went on to win MVP of the World Series. And lastly, oh, the bat from Barry Bonds was sent to the Baseball Hall of Fame as one of the most dominant World Series performances ever. Barry Bonds hit 471 that series, four home runs, six RBIs, and that's not even the most impressive thing. He set the World Series record for walks, 13, intentional walks, 7, on-base percentage, over 700, and slugging at 1.294. Holy hell. And they literally were afraid to throw to him, I almost say every time at bat. It was just put Barry on first. That has to be one of the most impressive World Series resumes ever, and they lost. And now looking back, you know, with what happened with Balco and everything and Barry 
and all the controversy, I'm so happy as an Angels fan that we got to beat that cheater <laughs> and not look back, you know, with regret saying that that World Series is tainted because the Giants cheated to win it. So we beat them fair and square. We beat them at their best. And we were a ragtag nobody that came out of nowhere and won our first World Series in franchise history. And uh, Sosha got to live off that World Series for almost 20 years. And Angels fans still to this day talk about those glorious October days in 2002. Man, I just got goosebumps talking about it again. So, uh, yeah, I recommend, guys, if you ever get a chance, if you're on YouTube or whatnot, you want to revisit some old games. I know we're in this weird quarantine state where there's not a lot of new games going on. So I've found myself going back and watching old games. It's super fun to go back and relive those moments, especially with some people that maybe don't remember what happened. Really fun to rewatch them. So we're going to do a couple of these episodes maybe. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. This was one that I definitely wanted to talk about because it's a super impactful memory of my sports childhood. And uh, yeah, 2002 World Series Game 7. Or Game 6, sorry. 2002 World Series Game 6. Check it out. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll do some more stuff coming up here soon, but I hope you guys are being well and staying safe. Keep listening to the medical professionals, and we'll all get through this together. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.